What is going on, everyone? This is Zach back here with another episode of Clutch Crew Sports. And here on today's episode, the rest of the crew is going to be given the title of GM for certain NFL teams. And I am going to present them with different scenarios and judge them based on how they as GMs would do in those situations. So uh, it's another fun game to play um, on this podcast episode. Then we're going to look at the lock board. Overall, for the crew, pretty good week for the lockboard. Um, I finally remembered to uh, start posting them on Twitter beforehand, so you know the world can at least see that the <laughs> that these locks are being made ahead of time. Uh, so we're gonna share the lockboard results, and then we're gonna go around the NCAA and talk about the college football playoff semifinals. So packed show tonight for everybody, and I hope you enjoy. Now let me introduce you to the rest of the crew. What's going on, guys? Eric, the ranting co-host here. Uh, yeah, my Jaguars still suck. Uh, this is this is still known. <laughs> Another torturous week being a Jags fan, but I'm really excited to see what Zach's got here with this GM thing. He didn't really tell us much about it going into it, so definitely looking forward to seeing what this is about. And uh, so, I hope you guys enjoy the show. And what's going on, guys? It's Connor, the co-host with the most, and you know. Feeling a little bit under the weather today. I uh, went and got my COVID booster shot yesterday and uh, hit me pretty hard, but I'm feeling better. You know, always feel better when the Steelers beat the Ravens. You know, that's always a plus. So, you know, never going to be upset about that. And it looks like the Hornets are going to hold on and beat the Hawks despite missing three of our top players. So I'm excited for that and ready to get into this episode. What's up, guys? Nate here. I like Zach. So we had I had a better week on um, the lockboard than uh, especially last week. So I'm happy about that. Uh, looking forward to um, the Pats game tomorrow night. I uh, didn't really have a very stressful uh, day of NFL watching today, so that was nice. But yeah, excited to talk about everything. All right. So you guys are all excited and everything. But are you ready now to become NFL general managers? That is the question. Dude, so, I, I've been Zach, ready for this. Uh, like, <laughs> I, I feel like. All right, go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. Uh, my bad, I, Zach. I'm a Jaguars fan. Of course, I'm ready to be a general manager. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric's got the the uh, advantage here I'm, as a Jags fan. <laughs> I mean, I know you know we. Uh, I know Zach and Eric and I have had conversations before about what all of our roles would be like on future NFL teams. So you know, you know, we're ready for this. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. So, you know, we, we've played lots of different games um, in this Around the Shield segment, you know, different scenarios, different like, you know, where do you fall on the, you know, the ladder of things. But this is a unique game and how it's going to work is I've given each co-host one AFC and one NFC team to be general managers of. I will present them a scenario, a question, something like that. And they will respond how they would do as general manager uh, for each of the teams. And then afterwards, I will give my thoughts on if I agree with them or not and how well their case was made, I guess to say. And they will either be awarded a green smiley face or a red axe next to their name. So a lot of pressure to get that green smiley face next to your name and not the red axe. Our jobs uh, are on the line s- here as co-hosts. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I'm like I'm like playing God right now as the uh, the the score person. I'm Roger Goodell. I guess that's my role in this. Um, 
But and I another thing too. This is going to be totally live reactions. You know, I think with they know each of the, you know Eric Connor Nate. They know the teams that they're going to be getting. They don't know the questions they're going to be getting. They might have an idea on what they could be, but I haven't told them until now. So we'll go ahead and start with Eric. Eric, the two teams that poor Eric here gets the Browns and the Lions as his teams to be the GM of. Um, but the first the the first question I'll give you, Eric, as the Browns GM, this Eric Conger. Um, okay. So Baker Mayfield, he doesn't have a new contract yet. You're the this is one of the big things that GMs do. They give out contracts. Um, tell me what you would do do at the end of this season if the season were essentially to end now. And so you've seen. Baker's performance to this point. Let's just pretend the season ends. And based on how he's done this year, the prior years where you drafted him, the team, your financial situations, all that sort of stuff. What do you do? Do you give him? um, And also, too, I'll say this. If he does take a contract, it's going to have to be similar to the DAC deal. He won't accept anything lower than the DAC deal. So. The DAC deal is like (laughs) the baseline for this. Um, You do have the franchise tag at play. um, But what do you do? What do you do with Baker here? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely not giving Baker Mayfield a long-term extension. I don't think he's done enough for our organization. Obviously, I, you know, there's different factors that go into this, but I think over the course of Baker's time here, for the most part, he's had enough talent to get the job done around him. Our offensive line is pretty solid. It wasn't when when we first drafted him, but we've built a solid line around him for protection. He's got great running backs and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And he even has, you know, his receivers may not be, as great as some of the other receivers in the NFL, but you know, for a while he had Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper's and you know, and uh, and Joku are solid, you know, decent tight ends. He's got enough around him to get the job done. You know, he's not like some of these other quarterbacks. You know, say maybe like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson right now, who, who while they're rookies, they just don't really have anything around them. It's hard to really get a read on them. Baker Mayfield has had enough time and enough talent around him to get the job done. And so far, I'm just not seeing it. As for what I do, though, I know our draft spot is not going to be the greatest in the world. You know, we're kind of middle of the pack right now. So depending on where we finish at the end of the season, I will consider franchise tagging him for a year while looking for a replacement but i'm definitely not giving him a long-term deal definitely nothing like a dac type of deal so that is my analysis of my game plan as the gm of the browns for baker mayfield this offseason all right and also i didn't say before but i'm gonna give you a grade on based on both your answers so not just one for the Browns, one for the Lions. It'll be like a combination sort of say sort of thing. So okay. uh, that's your answer for the Browns. And now for the Lions, here's your scenario. Okay. Um, 
the Lions, you know, they won a game today. Congrats to them. But yeah, we did. they're going to end up with the number. <laughs> they're going to end up with the number one overall pick in the draft. So, you know, there's no Trevor Lawrence in this draft, obviously. Um, there's Kayvon Thibodeau, um, the edge rusher from Oregon. Very, you know, he's highly rated. There's Evan Neal, an offensive lineman. There's um, Hutchinson, the Michigan defensive end. You've got lots of options other than QB, but obviously, you know, the, the biggest need is quarterback. So what do you as the GM do here with this first overall pick that you have? There's no guarantee you get uh, the first overall pick ever again, you know. So do you go ahead and take your quarterback, the one that you highly evaluate the most in this draft, or do you go another maybe best overall player in the draft? Yeah, I mean, this scenario kind of reminds me as a, you know, former Jags GM, you know, back in the day. (laughs) Uh, No, just got All right, Dave. As a a Dave Caldwell, you know. Dave Caldwell here. I remember as a Jags fan back in, you know, 2013, when, you know, Dave Caldwell and all them came into the fold, uh, the Jaguars had the number two pick and we had a terrible team, just like, you know, my lions now are in this situation. And, and that draft did not have a consensus number one quarterback in it either. And while I do think when you're given the opportunity to get a, you know, good quarterback, you should take it. However, I also don't think you should take a quarterback just to take a quarterback especially when you're a team like us where you have a ton of needs I mean even if we were to draft a quarterback this year there's still way too many needs on this team for us to contend and since it's not like a there's no generational prospect like a Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or something like that sitting there I'm probably going to take uh, Thibodeau from Oregon and start working on getting us some key pieces. And we're already paying Jared Goff a lot of money anyway. So even if we get rid of him, we're still going to be like paying him. So probably ride with Goff for another year. But another option that I will definitely be weighing is, you know, if a team wants to trade up and get that number one overall pick, since we have so many needs, if a team's willing to give us, you know, a nice arm and a leg to take that number one spot from us, I would consider that too, just to get more assets so that we can start the rebuild quicker. But if I don't get an offer that I like, I'm taking Thibodeau at pick number one and I'm starting to rebuild the rest of the team. And then I'll look for a quarterback next year. Wow. So I've got a I've got a real tough decision on Gray and Eric because with both of his answers, I fundamentally disagree. So Uh-oh. I would give Baker <laughs> I would give Baker that that contract this year just because I think it's hard to find a quarterback in this league and he's not, you know, a superstar or anything like that, but I do think this year his bad play can be attributed mostly to those injuries that he's been playing with. I mean, I think, and, and most other quarterbacks with the injuries he has might not be playing, but he's deciding to play through these injuries, and you can kind of see how it's limiting his play. So I 
do think this is the best time to sign him up. Um, quarterbacks, there, you know, you can suck your thumb of having, you know, it's just like, yeah, you can cry about how much money you're going to have to pay him, but the price tag always goes up every single year. It goes up. Remember when we thought Jimmy G's contract was huge. Now it's like, Oh, he's just making 20 something million. Like, so I would sign him. I would have already re-signed him, but definitely I would do it now. And with the lions, I would take a quarterback first overall, mainly because I know how you said, um, yeah, if there's not a guy there, but I've still seen so many. I mean, the thing with the Lions is you don't want to be that team that had the number one overall pick and you passed, you took a player and there was a, you know, all star quarterback picked later in the draft. You know, think the Jadevian Clowney draft might be an example of that. Um, when he went first overall, I think there was a good quarterback that went later or the miles Garrett draft. Like it, you know, there's, there's a good chance that one of these quarterbacks is going to end up being pretty good with the first pick. I think that's such a special spot to be at. And it's almost always reserved for quarterbacks. So I would go quarterback there. You did a good job. This is where I'm having a hard time is you did a good job in, you know, presenting your answers and you did, you know, present a lot of evidence and counterpoints to what I had just said. But I still fundamentally disagree, so I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to copy and paste this. Oh, uh, no. I I, I don't X. see what Baker's done to deserve well, a contract. Hey, hey, you know, right, we're gonna mute Eric. We're gonna mute Eric. No, well, here, you, you know what? What I'm saying, I'll say this um, for GM Eric. Uh, I agree with with you. So thank you. Connor. I agree thank with you, both Connor. your points. So I know Zach's like the doer, the judge Zach, here, Zach's but I can, I completely agree. I'm the with Roger both of your points. Okay. Wait, hold on. Since, <laughs> so, since I know Zach's X is all that matters ultimately, but since I'm at a one, one tie here, I want to see where Nate falls here. I, I would tend to agree on um, both of them. With, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> what like this? Like, oh, with, with sorry, like, with what you said. Are, are you like are you agreeing with me and Connor's side, or are you agreeing with Zach's side? Yeah, sorry, I should clarify with with uh, you and uh, Connor's side. Yes, oh, that, that's good <laughs> enough for me. That's good enough for me. <laughs> oh man! All right, GM GM Eric, you've had your time now. We'll go on to GM Connor. Uh, he's got two teams here, one from the AFC, one from the NFC, the Texans and the Seahawks. So I will give you your GM Texans job first here. Uh, obviously, I don't know how I ever accepted this. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were you were punished. You were you were punished to have to take this job. Uh, I guess of, I did something. I guess as I, a result I, I of being last place, you disagree with Zach right too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, you, you've been given the Texans job here, and okay. my my scenario, my question for you is: with Deshaun Watson here, I'll tell you where it stands, and then I'll let you make the decision on what your you know terms are, but. You know, the result of his um, cases, his lawsuits and stuff, they get resolved. And the NFL basically gives him, I'll say, 
like a one year suspension. So you're starting next season. Um, he's still, you know, on the team. He's got a one year suspension to serve. Um, what do you do in the meantime? Do you draft a quarterback this year in round one? Do you trade him for a quarterback? Do you trade him for more picks? What and if you do trade him, what what's your asking price, so to say? And um, and then yeah, so just I guess that's a lot to you know think about. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are the terms. Well, those are the terms and situations. Yeah, I mean, well. I guess in a perfect world, I would like to trade him, but my only concern with that is, I mean, I feel like the, <clears throat> with everything, cause I mean, I know everything's getting resolved, but like still a one year suspension, like, I feel like I'm not going to be able to get in return what I feel like I'm going to want. Like, I feel like I would want at least a first round pick, but with, we already saw in the off season, like with them trying to, with us trying to trade him and no one wanted that. So I kind of don't want it because if he were to come back and play, I mean, you've, we've seen the kind of talented player he is. Like, he's a fantastic quarterback. And if he can come back at that same level, then I don't want to be in a situation where I traded him away for, like, you know, a third-round pick and a ham sandwich, and then I'm stuck at zero again when I could have still had him. So what I would do, because, you know, obviously the Lions are going to have the number one overall pick, but, you know, we're going to be right up there at like probably yeah, in the top okay. three. Yeah, I'll say you know? two or three. Yeah, yeah, two or you've got either. Right, yeah, two yeah. Three. You've got one. I say it, it depends on what happens uh, when we play our second game against the Jaguars this year because right now the Jags are at number two and we're in. But I will say for our sake, um, if the Jags are at number two, like we're obviously not worried about the Jags taking a quarterback because, you know, they just drafted Trevor Lawrence last year. So, um, yeah, if I'm in the Texas GM, I draft a quarterback because it's just, you know, there obviously is the chance that Deshaun Watson comes back and he looks the same way and he plays the same way and he starts playing at that all pro level. But then again, a, a year at, at this point, it would basically be two years off because he's not going to play all of this year, not play all of next year. Like I need a, a backup plan and you know, I don't know where else I'm going to find a quarterback. Like I'm not going to do something where I go and sign a veteran quarterback just to, you know, be a placeholder and then hope that Deshaun Watson is, you know, the same guy when he comes back. I want to go after, I want to draft someone like um, Kenny Pickett. I want to draft someone like, I can't remember his name from Ole Miss, but like, you know, he's the other like big quarterback prospect Matt this Corral. year. Yes, Matt Corral. That's right. I want to draft someone like one of them to my team this year. So that way, you know, I can get them developed. I can get, you know, at least like, okay, a plan for my future in case Deshaun Watson isn't what he used to be because you know, like I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to trade him for what I want. So, um, you know, I'm just going to have to focus on drafting this QB and then getting whatever assets I can elsewhere. Because, you know, thankfully for us, given that we traded away a lot of our team, we do have cap space um, to play with. So not only can I draft a quarterback, but in the offseason, I can maybe try and go after some free agents to start you know, rebuilding this team kind of like, you know, how GM Eric had to do with the Lions. Like, you know, we have a lot of rebuilding to do. So, um, but the quarterback is always the number one priority. So um, that's my answer for the Texans in the quarterback situation. All right. And now you are going to be GM of the Seattle Seahawks. So you're going up north to Seattle now and you're going to the GM there. Seattle has finished... Eight and nine this season. They miss out on the playoffs. 
Um, they do have a better second half to the season than first half. So, you know, they end the season on a positive note, but they missed the playoffs here. Um, but now you're kind of in a situation where you're, I don't want, I, I kind of want to say you got to pick between Russ or Pete Carroll. Do you trade Russ for a King's ransom or you fire Pete Carroll and keep Russ and go and start out with a new head coach? Or do you decide to stick with Pete Carroll here and trade Russ for a King's ransom? Or you can fire, you can trade both, you know, you can trade Russ for a King's ransom or, and fire him at the same time. It's up to you. So that's your situation here. So this is actually a pretty easy decision for me. I 100% am sticking with Russell Wilson. Like I would, like I am, it, I think in my opinion, it's time for the for us to move on from Pete Carroll. Um, you know, I think he's had his time. I feel like there's not going to be really a situation where like we're going to end up firing him. It's probably going to be more so like one of those situations where, you know, these longtime head coaches, they're kind of forced to resign basically rather than out, outright being fired. But you know, yeah, if I have to make a decision between Pete Carroll, because I, I honestly don't want to get rid of both just because I feel like that would create too much, you know, chaos within the organization. But I'm sticking with Russell Wilson. I still believe Russell Wilson to be an elite quarterback. It's just this team has been, you know, the past few years, like there's been a, they've had a lot of injuries at the running back position of the, of the ball. So like this offense has become very one dimensional, you know, without someone like Chris Carson's in the backfield, you know, it's really hard for anything to get going with this team, um, you know, and also I want to, you know, Pete Carroll, he's supposed to be a defensive minded head coach, but, you know, maybe it's time I bring in more of an offensive minded head coach to really get this offense turned around because yes, the defense is our weakness, but you know, the offense is also underperforming. And like I said, I want someone who can bring out the best in Russell Wilson, because I don't, whatever ransom I trade Russell Wilson away for, I feel like it's not going to be worth it because especially when he's still playing at the level that he is, like if he was starting to get into a situation where he was getting worse and regressing, then yeah, I would try and trade him right now before it gets worse. But I feel like he still has at least three to four more solid years left in him. So I want to get as much out of him as I can. And you know, I feel like if I can bring in a new head coach, get a new system going, you know, use my draft capital towards, you know, maybe getting a running back at some point And like, because I know we don't have a first round pick this year. That's the other hard part with this situation is we don't have a first round pick. But um, if we can maybe pick up like a running back in the second round or something like that, and then, you know, maybe whatever money we have, because I know that's the other thing about the Seahawks is that we also have cap space as well. So if we can maybe go after some more defensive free agents in the off season, um, we can start to build again, but um, 100% Russell Wilson. All right. So I've, I've had a much easier time giving a grade on this one. Um, I'm going to agree with you quite a, yay. Um, (laughs) You got the green smiley face now for the rest of the day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know I don't know why. I just think this smiley face looks so like funny. But um but the Texans answer I think you did the right thing taking a quarterback. Um I don't think they should trade for Tua. You know that's been 
you know, what no. some people have been thinking they might do. Cause that's, you know, trade to, uh, for Deshaun and some other stuff. But, um, yeah, I think, I think you have to hold on. I don't think they're going to get blown away with an offer if he's suspended for a year. So you kind of keep him on the team. And then if he ever, and then after his suspension's over, you know, that's, that's a long time. He could potentially want to, you know, come back to the team. I, you know, you, that's always a possibility that he decides to return after the suspension's over. But if not, then his suspension served and you can trade him not for as much as you would have gotten before all this legal drama, but still, I think you get something to the right team. You know, there's going to be a team out there that's going to feel like they can win a Super Bowl with him and are going to give up a lot. And then the Seahawks answer, I think, is the right thing. I think it's time for Pete to go. I think uh, I think he's one, he's like an old school head coach now. You know, it's the league's evolved, and I just don't see him doing much. I mean, he's getting older too. I mean, it, it just seems like him, him and Russ have reached a point, sort of like Brady and Belichick, where they don't like each other anymore, and it's clear that I don't think they can keep on coexisting. So I, I think getting rid of Pete makes Russ happier, makes him play better and with the new coach in there. And I think they, they overall do a lot better without Pete. Um, now we will finally bring in GM Nate to the fold. And GM Nate, for you, I've got the Denver Broncos and Philadelphia Eagles. And for the Broncos... My question for you is going to be with the quarterback situation, obviously, what do you do here? Do you go all in for Aaron Rodgers? Um, Let's say Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's refusing. He ultimately refuses to play again for Green Bay. He's done. He's done with them after the season. He's he'll play for anybody else, but not Green Bay um, or retire. Uh, is that what you go for? Do you, you know, make him like your next Peyton Manning? Do you try and draft a quarterback? Do you try and pick up or trade for one of these other current, you know, questionable quarterbacks floating around the league? What do you do with the quarterback spot for the Broncos? Yeah, so for me, I think I would not be in on Aaron Rodgers if I'm the Broncos. I know it's like the Peyton Manning um comparisons are there but i just feel like with Rodgers at this point if he's gonna leave he's gonna go to like a real contender and the broncos play in what's becoming a pretty tough division um i just don't think he would want to be there and even if they could make it happen i feel like if things don't go right year one he's gonna be out of there and cause, I mean, he's you know getting close to 40 and um you know all that stuff kind of starts to break down i think the the real thing for the broncos is kind of like get you know they've been trying to find their quarterback of the future for basically since Peyton left and they've had very um mixed results Uh, I think the focus for them should be um see where their like draft spot shakes out I think getting a young quarterback in the draft uh, if they get hit on the right one like um you know Kenny Pickett or uh one of those guys I think that's kind of the way um, I would go, you know, as a GM of the Broncos because I think if they hit on a guy like that and they can keep him around for, you know, a few years at a low salary, um, they can kind of build 
rebuild around him because I think the roster basically is I mean, it's completely turned over since um, their last Super Bowl win. Nobody, as far as I know, is still around playing in Denver. And um, I think they just need to go full into the um, rebuild. Cause they kinda, I feel like they try to hang around for a few years after that with the the roster they had. And I think now it's just time to like blow it up and um, go full on rebuild. All right, and then um, the next, your next team is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. And for this team, they're going to have two first-round draft picks. They're, you know, they're getting better. They just miss out on the playoffs, though, in the NFC. They don't win the division. They don't get a wild-card spot, but they do have two draft picks. What do you do with those two picks? What are the biggest positions of need do you have for the Eagles in the offseason? What do you do to address that? Oh, boy. I mean, I think um, it's hard because they just spent um, the pick on uh, Devontae Smith last year at wide receiver. I think they've got to go back to um, some kind of receiver there um, and feel like maybe not with their first, um, you know, whatever pick shakes out to be their highest, maybe not um, that high. I'm not 100% on the prospects in this draft. I haven't looked into it too close yet, but I think getting some more help outside will be great for, uh, you know, helping Jalen Hurts to keep developing and getting better. They've got, obviously, Smith has been um, up and down based on how they've kind of used him, but um, from what I've seen from a lot of Eagles fans, they're getting tired of uh, Rager um, out there. at Their other um, wide receiver, he's been very, like, bad with the drops and, the route running and all that. And then JJ, uh, our Sega Whiteside was basically a Nikhil Harry type bust from uh, that draft. He was taken above DK and all those guys. Um, so they really got no help out wide. I think it's not, you know, I don't even give a, get a true evaluation of Jalen Hurts as your franchise quarterback until they get him um, some better help. So I think that's where I would look with at least one of the picks. And then I think the other one you've got to go, um, you got to go defense. There again, I'm not 100% on all the prospects you got this year. I don't know um, exactly where the the Eagles pick is going to be either. But I think I would I think just that defense has been a mess for basically since they went to the Super Bowl and beat the Pats that year. It's been just a mess, and teams basically do whatever they want against. Even um, the Jets uh, looked very like you know they don't put up a ton of points, but they looked more capable than I think they've been. Uh, all year so I think getting either some kind of uh, upgrading the presence up front like the pass rush um, I think you can never go wrong doing that Um, or else if there's a a DB they really like I think that will be a solid move as well but yeah I think uh, get some help out wide for Jalen Hurts and uh, shore up that defense a little bit would be my big focus with two picks there all right um you did a good job nate you're gonna get a smiley face from me uh i agree (laughs) that they should (laughs) i know this is uh this is what everybody was hoping for but uh um yeah i I agree with aaron Rodgers not to go after him and i agree with both of the things you had to say about the eagles because yeah they've spent first round picks on wide receivers but like you said they're passing offense has been non-existent basically um 
and you have to get more help to really evaluate Hurts because he's had flashes and he's shown that he can't. He's not, you know, a complete failure. So I think you get a good, you know, a, a complimentary receiver to Deont- to Devontae Smith. Um, you've got a good tight end already. Offensive line's okay, could be better, but you've spent resources there too. And then definitely, like you said, that uh, they the rest of the stuff has to be on defense because defense is where they've been really weak. So if they do those things, they could contend for the NFC East again next year. But that's going to wrap up this segment, guys, of playing the role as the general manager. Um, So we had six teams to do. Maybe we see this come up again in a future episode with another six teams or someone else being the god of the game. Um, But yeah, hopefully you guys... The god of the game. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically (laughs) what I was, the god of the game. Uh, Let's transition now to talk about the three biggest matchups of next week in the NFL. And a couple of these matchups here are divisional matchups, which are always entertaining, you know, always seem to be close. We saw that that today with San Francisco, Seattle and Baltimore, Pittsburgh came down to the last play of the game. But for this matchup here, we've got Dallas at Washington. Um, Two teams kind of going in different directions a little bit. Dallas won on Thursday night against the Saints, but with the way the Saints are playing, that's not a super impressive win. And then you had the football team here win today against the Raiders, who beat Dallas on Thanksgiving. So they're putting together a nice little win streak in Washington. The game's at Washington. So I think the spread on this game is going to be very, very tight. Um, And... I'm going to actually have to pick Washington in this one. I still think Dallas is the better team, but I think at home at Washington, I think with the way they're playing right now, it's hard to pick against Washington. Their defense has been stepping it up. They held the Raiders to under 20 points this game, and that offense had been going crazy. So I think they can easily hold Dallas's offense. We, you know, Dallas, they didn't have the best game in the world against the Saints. Um, not saying Washington had the best game either in their win, but uh, with a divisional matchup like this, it's going to be close, but I tend to give the edge to the home field advantage. So I'm going to go Washington in a defensive struggle. I'll say 17 to 14 Washington. Uh, Eric, what about you? Well, you know me, man. You know I'm picking the Cowboys. Zach and I uh, disagreeing a lot this episode so far. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got the Cowboys. I mean, they've you know had some struggles here lately, but I do think they're going to turn it around. And you know, say so you got the they got the win against the Saints. And while Washington's on a four game win streak, they've while the defense has been doing pretty good, the offense really hasn't been doing that good. And so I, I expect Dallas's defense to keep them in check. And I do agree that I think it will be a bit of a defensive struggle, but I think Dallas's offense is going to do enough to get the job done. So I'm going to say Dallas gets the dub here. I'm going to say they take it 23 to 13. Okay, uh, Connor, I'll let you go next. So I am going to agree with Zach and go with the Washington football team. You know, to me, this team, they just have all the momentum. They've won, like, four straight games recently. And, you know, their offense hasn't been playing fantastic, but they definitely have a very 
unique offense in the way that like they have a lot of weapon like kind of underrated weapons you know terry mclaurin he's one of the un like one of the most underrated wide receivers in football in my opinion um you know logan thomas is back now and he's a really big key figure for them um in their offense and but i think the part that's scariest for a lot of you know teams you know when we talk about great running back tandems you know you think of nick chubb and kareem hunt well, the running back tandem of Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick has been really good recently. Um, you know, Gibson, he's he's kind of going back to his roots, becoming more of a power back. McKissick is an outstanding receiver out of the backfield. And, you know, like Zach said, Washington's defense has been stepping up. So um, I think it'll be a, not as much of a defensive struggle as you guys think. I'm going to give it to Washington 27-24. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I just think that um, Washington's defense looked uh, pretty solid to get today against the Raiders. I know um, Vegas have been kind of up and down, but yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with you here. Um, Tate Washington was somewhat of an upset uh, versus the Cowboys. I think obviously Dallas was a great offense, but I think um, uh, Washington's going to be a pretty good uh, test for it. I think I'm going to go... Um, Washington 21, Dallas uh, 17, and lower scoring uh, kind of game there. All right, and Nate, go ahead and tell us about this next matchup. Definitely going to be uh, quite a game here between these two teams. Yeah, I would say if uh, Rams and Cardinals were also uh, this week, that'd be uh, the game of the week there. But um, yeah, definitely two teams are definitely right in the running for um Super Bowl contention out of each of their conferences um I think it'll be interesting to see um the matchup between the the Bills and the Pats tomorrow night I think that's a gonna be a big test for Buffalo to see where they're really um at but I think as of right now um I think they match up pretty well they both have um pretty strong defenses the, the Bucks looked a little bit shaky today versus the Cardinals but um I think you know, got two solid offenses, and I think I really want to see how Josh Allen looks tomorrow night uh, versus, you know, good defense in New England. Um, but I think both these offenses obviously have uh, the weapons to put up a ton of points in each other. Um, I think it's really going to be – I think the offenses are going to get the best of the defenses, just is like my uh, feeling on it. I think Brady has seen the, buck, the, um, the Bills for 20-plus uh, years when he was in – New England, not that it's the same roster or the same coach or anything, but I think he's just familiar um, playing them um, a lot. So that's going to be interesting. I think that I'm going to have to go with the Bucks, um, not to be biased, obviously, but I just think that that roster overall is just week in, week out. is hard to beat. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game, even though they do have two good defenses. I think it's going to be uh, – I'm going to go Bucks uh, 34 um bills 20 i think it's going to come right down to it but um definitely should be a fun one all right eric what about your your pick on this game yeah i want to agree with nate here the bucks had had some struggles going on but the last couple weeks they've been putting it to get back together they're playing better i mean of course the last two wins weren't against teams that are as good as the bills but at the same time they did beat the colts who did beat the bills that's the thing about the nfl man like you never know what can happen week to week, but, but I just, I, I like the way the Bucks are playing right now. Part of this kind of will depend on for me on how the, on how well the bills do against the Patriots. Obviously we haven't seen that game yet. I might 
change my pick on the weekly picks if the Bills like blow out the Patriots or something. But but right now though, I just think the Patriots are not the Patriots. I think the Bucks are starting to uh, put it back together. So I'm gonna give the Bucks the edge here. I agree with Nate too. I think it'll be somewhat high scoring. I'm gonna say uh, Tampa Bay wins at 31-23. Zach, how about you, man? All right. Well, if you remember anything about our looking at statistics episode from a few weeks ago, um, these two teams were two of the highest penalized teams in the league. So expect a lot of flags probably in this game. You're going to see a a lot of flags, I'm guessing. Um, This is going to be this is to me. This is the game of the week. This could be a Super Bowl matchup preview sort of game. Um, This gives me. It definitely gives me vibes of the Chiefs Bucks regular season game in Tampa last year where the Chiefs won. Uh, So I'm going to pick the Bills to win. I just think a game like this means more to the Bills, um, especially, you know, depending on how the result in New England goes, could feel like a must win for them to keep their division hopes alive. Whereas the Bucks have basically wrapped up the NFC South already. Um, and it's always, you know, teams are going to give their best, their absolute best against the defending champions. So, and that's what the Bucks have seen all year. The Bucks are, they're starting to get things together, but, you know, they're not dominant and blowing teams out like 40 to zero or anything. And the Bills defense is really, really good. So I'm going to give the edge to the Bills in this one. I'll say, I'll say something like 31 to 24 Buffalo. Connor, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take the Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Um, <clears throat> my thing for me is just the Buccaneers have just been looking off recently. I mean, I know they've been kind of putting it back together, but, you know, they honestly looked pretty vulnerable when they played the Colts, even though they did win that game. They looked vulnerable in that game. They had moments in this game where against the Falcons this week where honestly, had it not been for the complete incompetence of the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Falcons would have given them a better game. Um, You know, and obviously like, you know, they thoroughly handled the giants, but that was the giants. So, you know, who knows, but yeah, I agree with Zach though, that like this game means a lot more to the bills than it does to the Buccaneers. And I think, you know, like the bills, they're also like, you know, they're trying to get out of that funk that they've been in. And, you know, they started it last week with the saints game on Thanksgiving and, you know, they're going to hope to try and continue it uh, with the Patriots game. And, you know, even though this obviously isn't aren't the same things like the Bills always want to beat Tom Brady. Like there's no, you know, there's no love loss between the Bills and Tom Brady. So um, I, I think the Bills are going to take this one. It's going to be really close, of course. But um, I'm going to say the Bills take it 38-35. All right. And go ahead and introduce us to another good Monday night football matchup here with this next game. Yeah, so Monday Night Football has been doing good recently. So we have the rematch between the Rams and the Cardinals, this time in Arizona. Um, You know, Arizona, they came back this week. They got Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back. Um, They did have a little bit of a shaky moment against the Bears at one point in that game. They kind of let the Bears back in the game, but um, they were able to get a nice, decent victory in their return. Um, You know, the Rams obviously got back on track this week by thoroughly dismantling the Jaguars. Um, so 
hopefully for them, they think that they're going to be, they're, they're going to be getting it back on the right track. Matthew Stafford looked a lot better. Um, but for me, I think the Arizona Cardinals are going to take this game. I just don't see the Rams being able to do as much against this defense of the Cardinals. And also, I don't see how the Rams defense is going to stop Kyler Murray. They've been having so many problems against other teams this year that I think, you know, and the Cardinals, they already know how to beat the Rams because they dismantled them last time. And that was in L.A. And this time it's actually going to be in Arizona. So um, I'm going to have to give the edge to the Cardinals. I think it'll be a high scoring game, but I don't think it's going to be as close as maybe some people think. Like, I don't think it'll come down to a field goal or anything. I think the Cardinals are going to take this game probably 35 to 20. Um, Eric, what about you? Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% here. I mean, the Cardinals are just looking really good right now, and they've, they've got Kyler Murray back. While the Rams got it you know, together against the Jaguars today, I mean, lately, who isn't getting it together against the Jaguars? So, like, that's not really – it wasn't like they came back after their losing streak and beat somebody really good. Uh, it was expected they were going to win. So, I, I still am – not a believer in the Rams right now after the way they played for the last few weeks. So I'm going to give this to the Cardinals. I'm going to do a similar score as Connor. I'm going to say the Cardinals take it by two touchdowns, 31 to 17. What about you, Zach? Yeah. So I watched most of the Jags Rams game and I got to say, even though the score was 37 to seven, I'd, I just wasn't impressed with the Rams. You know, they were obviously the superior team, so they made, a you know, the score look easy. But there was just points where Stafford was missing throws. Um, I'll give them credit. They actually decided to try and run the ball this time this week, but I just don't trust that. I think Sean McVay, the reason why he was so good for, you know, his first few years is because he had Todd Gurley, and they could run and set up the play-action pass. But against Arizona, a much better defense, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. And I think they're going to have to rely on Stafford, which when they had to rely on Stafford recently, it hasn't gone well. Arizona whooped them the first time, I think. Um, I, I think they'll do the same thing here on Monday night. They also want to, you know, prove and lock up the division. So they've got a lot to fight for. I'll say Cardinals win um, 28 to 13. Nate, what about you? Yeah, I think um, this is the other big game this week. I agree. I think the Cardinals are um, going to take this one. Just the way they look today, we're getting Kyler and Hopkins back. And I think the Rams have um, – I didn't see the final score if they won. Oh, actually, no, they played the Jags this week. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, I, I forgot that was – so they, they won pretty handily today. But um, they've been looking kind of like up and down, um, in my opinion, lately. I think that, you know – Getting those guys back for the Cardinals, they're just going to start heating up again. And I think um, it's not going to be an easy win, but I think they're going to get the better of the Rams. So I'm going to go um, Cardinals I'm gonna go Cardinals 31, Rams uh, 24. All right. So let's go ahead now and transition to the lock board and give a recap for the points for the for the current week so we all did get points at least um i ended up getting two points eric got six 
Connor got two and Nate got eight. And that brings the total standings now. Eric um, increasing his lead to 53 total points. We have Nate now jumped all the way up from fourth, I think, to second now at 42 points. So Nate is 11 points behind Eric. We're all chasing Eric at this point. Um, I'm in third with 40. Connor's in last with 39. So, um, yeah, guys, we gotta we gotta unite and beat Eric. Um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no need. For yeah, that. I, I I know how it, <laughs> I I know how it feels being the target, Eric. I won this thing last year. I I know I was the one at this yeah, point in the yeah. season. Connor and I were flip flopping during the season. Then I started to take a lead on him. And then I was the target. I think you and me had been flip flopping, and now you've really taken taken off the last couple of weeks. So um, you crossed the fifty mark and total points this week. Let's go ahead and see what everybody got right and wrong. Nate obviously got eight points, so he had the best week. Um, also had the first pick. So Nate, go through your locks and uh, tell us what you got right here. There we go. Yeah, so um, I, the first one I got right was UTSA over WKU. That was um, my first pick and the first pick uh, in the, our draft overall. Um, that was just like a conference championship matchup that I really liked. I thought um, UTSA has basically rolled all year, and I was like, I don't know why they were not uh, favored in that one by Vegas. I just figured, like, out of all these matchups, it's probably the safest um, underdog one I could take. Um, so I obviously worked out fine. And then, um, Detroit over Minnesota, I've been picking Detroit a lot <laughs> lately in, um, both the, uh, just our regular, uh, weekly picks. I think I've taken them on the lock board a couple times too. I just kind of figured like one of these days they got to get a win. They've been so close. Um, they were super close the last time they played the Vikings and I went with the five corner there again and it paid off for once. So, um, uh, basically hopefully made back some of the points I lost trying to pick uh, Detroit earlier in the year. Um, so that was nice to finally work out. And then my last one was I picked the Giants over the Dolphins today. Um, that one was kind of um, surprising. Like, neither of these teams are that good. You know, I didn't expect a whole lot out of the Giants, but I thought uh, Miami's been struggling. I thought they could pull it off, and they got, like, 10 points or something. So um, disappointing I couldn't go with three for three, but – um, I'll take eight points any week, especially with uh, how I've been lately. So, um, yeah, good good to have a, a positive um, uh, week to talk about. But uh, let's hear your pick, Zach. Yeah, mine, mine not so good this week, guys. I only got two points. But my first-round pick, definitely an upset here. I really got all of the uh, all of my college football predictions, you know, personally – you know, made, I got them all wrong, basically. So no shocker that I ended up with just two points. But I picked Iowa over Michigan. Really, it wasn't even close. Nobody had to, these other three guys weren't, you know, staying up, trying to watch the score, being like, oh, come on, Michigan, pull it out, you know. Uh, it was pretty, we all kind of knew how this was going to go after the first quarter. Michigan handled them easily. But I thought, you know, wait, what? Oh, I didn't. I didn't say. Hello. Anything. Oh, I thought I heard like Connor say something, but no. Uh, am I like oh, I am, am I like lagging or something? No, you're you're fine. Yeah, no, you're okay. fine. I don't know what that was. 
that was that was really weird but um <laughs> but yeah so i got that one wrong you never know with my internet so that's why i was had a little heart attack there but the next <laughs> round the next round i picked the suns to beat the warriors which you know just happened on the wrong day because they beat them earlier in the week but the game on friday i guess it was at golden state golden state won they broke phoenix's you know 18 game win streak so as a three-point possibility you know shame on me for picking the team that won 18 games in a row to win and they lost so you know shame on me and then i did get the (laughs) (laughs) i did get the 76ers over the hawks pick correct you know this one came down to the end um but philly thank god philly won this game and i finally got some points it was just two points but um it did feel good to hey i've been get some positive points (laughs) i know it always feels good just to break that losing curse get some you know positive confidence with uh with your picks so definitely gonna be interesting to see how these last few weeks go for me but i know i gotta get some major points these next few weeks to catch up connor talk about year three picks now yeah mine were along the same line as yours not fantastic um you know, still really uh, looking back to what it could have, should have when I could have had those 13 points last week. Um, but, you know, my first pick was I really wanted that UTSA pick. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, Nate had the first pick. So, you know, he went with that. Um, so I went with USC over Cal. Um, you know, this game got postponed to later in the year. Um, but, you know, USC was able to give BYU a really close game. So I figure, you know, and Cal's not been very good. So I figured they could do something good in that game. But unfortunately, Cal pretty much controlled it for the whole time. So um, like it wasn't a huge like margin of victory type win, but, you know, Cal still won the game. So I missed out on three points there. Um, I think I got right in the second round. I had the Seahawks over the 49ers, you know, the Niners, they've been looking better recently, but I figure, you know, it's it's hard for to pick against Seattle when they're at home. You know, it's one of the hardest places to play in the league. And, um, you know, Russell Wilson finally had a decent week and they were able to take the win there. And then my last pick was in the ACC championship, Wake Forest. I took them to beat Pitt, which unfortunately for me in that one, um, you know, Wake Forest was up 21 to 14 after the first quarter. It looked like it was going to be a shootout. And then after that, Wake Forest never scored any more points and Pittsburgh ended up winning like 45 to 21. So um, that also ended up being a blowout, unfortunately. So um, definitely not the best week, but, you know, I it's not a zero. So I, I can't complain too much because, you know, I have had enough of those zero weeks this year that, you know, even two points, I'll take it. So, um, you know, but like Zach said, I know I'm going to have to be probably starting to get more aggressive with my picks in the weeks coming up because starting to fall a little too far behind and we're getting further in the year. All right. And Eric, you picked last in this week's draft, but you did get six points. Tell us what you got, right? Yeah, this was my second week in a row having the last pick and I actually had another good week again. So I've been enjoying my recent success. Um, I got two of my three picks, right? Uh, Light. Connor I wanted that UTSA pick that Nate got but I didn't get it but thankfully for me my second pick that I wanted that ended up being my number one pick was uh, another odd you know conference championship game that we would really normally never touch but I went with Northern Illinois over Kent State 
and just kind of researching it i felt like northern illinois was better than them and so i decided to take them and it worked out um so i got three points for that one and then my second pick which i know is uh kind of double-edged sword you suck for you suck for this one the... eric you really thought you, you, i told you you sucked for it yeah i saw that in the group chat but yeah i guess you didn't pick this one as high as me so i got it but the steelers over the ravens and so obviously connor's happy that his steelers won but i know he's not happy for me to get the lockboard points but uh that one came down to a crazy ending where the ravens could have tied it at the end when they scored a touchdown but they went for two to try to take the lead and didn't get it so Pittsburgh ended up getting a nail-biting one-point win there. And then since I had the last pick, I had some other picks that got sniped, although I don't think they would have been correct either. But So I ended up with the Jets over the Eagles as a potential five-point play for my last pick. And the Jets were actually doing great offensively. They scored three touchdowns on their first three drives, although their kicker couldn't make an extra point. And so then they were forced to go for two. So they're – with their 18 points that they had, it looked kind of weird, but it was three touchdowns. But the problem was the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. Gardner Minshew had his first start as an Eagle and he was lighting the jets up. So that was probably a pick I shouldn't have made, but I just thought if there was a five pointer that could happen, maybe that one could happen. But obviously though, I'm not going to complain about the six points. I'm happy to still be in the lead. So, uh, Obviously, there's still a few good few weeks left, so it's definitely not over. But I will happily be compared to where I was at last year. This time, I will happily take this. <laughs> All right, and for the next week's lockboard draft, Connor and I we need these first two picks to to go well. He's got the first pick. I've got the second one. Eric's got the third pick, and Nate's got the fourth pick. Um, so let's transition now, guys, and talk about around the NCAA. Obviously, we have to talk about USF not getting a bowl game. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, they finish, like, two and ten. Like, hold on. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm, I'm joking there. But um, <laughs> how did Tennessee not? How did Tennessee not get like a BCS game? You know, like you know, yeah, one. yeah. <laughs> Alabama's like, number one. Who's heard of them? <laughs> Tennessee in the Sugar Bowl, guys. Yeah, yeah. I'll say this. They should be ranked ahead of San Diego State after uh, what we saw on Saturday. But yeah, I I have no clue how San Diego State is still in the top 25 after that absolute dismantling they took from Utah State. Um, kind of wish so that we, I kind of wish I had thought to pick that one in the lockboard, but <laughs> uh, I I would yeah. that was not on my radar at all. But yeah, um, same would have been nice. Would have been nice, but uh, after Saturday's results, you know, we all kind of were like ninety five percent sure about the results, and they, you know, we we were right. Cincinnati got the fourth spot. There wasn't a, you know, horrendous you know, stealing by Notre Dame to get the fourth spot. Georgia, that would have been they like the lost. ultimate, like, that would have been yeah. the ultimate disgrace considering that Cincinnati I beat know. them. Like, I would have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, it's like they had to get the fourth spot. But uh, Georgia, they slipped down a third after losing to Bama. Basically, Bama and Georgia flip-flop uh, since Bama beat them. And Michigan stayed at the two spot, you know, whooping Iowa. 
Um, and that's really all that matters for the playoff now is just these four in the matchup. So between the two and the three, the the numbers don't really mean that much, you know, whatever color jersey that they get, ooh, big deal. But um, <laughs> but yeah, so you've got Bama and Cincy and you've got Michigan and Georgia. And what we're going to do here to close out the show is we are each going to take one of these four teams and basically say how they're going to win the national championship, make a argument for why they should win the championship. And so we'll do this for each of the teams and we'll go ahead and I'll start things off with the number one team, Alabama. I mean, basically I don't know how they're not the favorite to win. You know, they're the one seed they play Cincinnati who on paper they should beat. You know, Cincinnati is not a, a pushover or anything like that, but they just beat Georgia, who was considered all year the best team. They were undefeated. There's no reason why they can't beat Cincinnati. And then they face whoever wins between Michigan and Georgia. If it happens to be Georgia, well, they literally just beat them by like 20 points. If it's Michigan, um, I just think that's a massive advantage for Alabama. I mean... The thing with Bama is, you know, you've got the Heisman winner on their team. Bryce Young's probably going to win the Heisman. The defense is it's playing better. You know, they, they're getting better pass rush. Um, they're starting to get interceptions. They're starting to, you know, look a little bit more like the traditional Alabama's defense. Um, the, often, the, the biggest thing, though, to me that gives me confidence for saying why Alabama will win is how... Their offensive line fared against Georgia's defensive line. That was supposed to be a matchup where, you know, Georgia's defensive line's the best in the country. They'd given up their defense in general, just given up like seven points a game or something like that. And their offensive line gave, gave you know, Georgia all the problems that they could handle because they couldn't get a pass rush really on Bryce Young. They, you know, in the first half a couple times, but for most of the game, Alabama just through their receivers, tight ends and everything they got. They're a very balanced offense. They don't have just one go-to guy that you can shut down. They've got receivers on both sides like Mechie and Williams. Um, I, I think if Alabama's fully healthy going into the playoffs here and they don't lose Bryce Young or anything like that, I think they've got the offense, they've got the defense. And obviously they've been here before, which is I do think some something to point out is They've been in these situations before. Obviously, the team won the championship last year, but we saw it against Georgia. I mean, Georgia was the favorited team, but they're still kind of the newcomer to all this. It's it's really until someone beats Alabama, it's hard not to pick against them, you know. So that's the easy case to make for Alabama, considering how they looked on Saturday. But I'll go down and let. Connor, talk about the number two team here, Michigan, and why they can win it all. Yeah, so, you know, the Michigan Wolverines are, this is their first time in the college football playoff. You know, they finally got the monkey off their back. They beat Ohio State, and now here they are staring down the Georgia Bulldogs in the first round, and then, you know, likely, if they get the win over Georgia, likely a a date with Alabama in the national championship. Um, You know, I think... One thing for Georgia right now, or Georgia, one thing for Michigan right now that I think is helping them compared to the rest of these four teams is that, you know, it's all about 
we've seen this so often with the New England Patriots in uh, in the NFL, or like with the Tampa Bay Bucks last year. You know, Michigan they were looking kind of shaky for a minute there in the middle part of the season. You know, they kind of they barely beat you know they were barely beating teams like Rutgers and you know Nebraska and you know they had that close loss to Michigan State and everyone thought oh that's going to be it like Michigan no shot anymore. This is the hottest team in college football right now. They came back after that loss to Michigan State. You know, they they whooped Indiana. They, you know, pulled off a, a close win at Penn State, you know, one of the toughest places to play in college football. You know, they got a nice win the week after that, and then they thoroughly dismantled Ohio State and then thoroughly dismantled Iowa in the Big Ten Championship. So this is the hottest team in college football right now. They're balanced on all sides of the ball. You know, they have the best pass rushing tandem in college football. You know, they lead the college football with the most sacks by a tandem. Aiden Hutchinson is just a monster. He got C.J. Stroud for three sacks in that game against Ohio State. And I think one thing that a lot of people also are forgetting about this Michigan team, you know, Cade McNamara's played better. But Michigan, this they really have a run game going. I mean, who can say in the last, you know, 10 plus years or so that they ran for almost 300 yards on Ohio state. Like that's just insane. Ohio state's always had this, you know, fantastic run defense. I mean, even when you look at when they played Michigan state, Kenneth Walker was like a Heisman candidate and they held him to basically nothing. And then they come back the next week and Michigan runs for almost 300 yards. It's like, how does that happen? It's because Michigan's really good. They have a good tandem of running backs. And so that it can take the pressure off Cade McNamara because that was the problem for them in the past was they were trying to rely too much on Cade McNamara and he couldn't get it done. But now that they have that balanced attack going, you know, it's really going to help them a lot going forward. And honestly, for me, like, I think probably this Georgia game is going to be, it, it feels weird for me to say this, but I think this Georgia game is going to be tougher for them than the Alabama game. I mean, obviously not, you know, Cincinnati could beat Alabama, but you know, if we're going off the basis of what probably should happen, I think this Georgia game will be tougher for them than the Alabama game. Because honestly, for Georgia, like, that defense is still fantastic. I feel like what happened in that game with Georgia just has some, like, weird kryptonite weakness to Alabama that happens whenever they play them. And, you know, it's kind of like whenever the Steelers used to play the Patriots um, in, like, the Brady and Ben years, like, the Steelers could look like the better team, but as soon as they go and play the Patriots, like they just get dismantled. And I feel like that's what happens in college football with Georgia. Whenever they play Alabama, even if they are the better team, they just get dismantled. So um, if Michigan can get past Georgia, I think they can really take it to Alabama. Alabama's offensive line has been really, really uh, questionable throughout the whole year. Like, yeah, they held up well against Georgia, but you know, all the weeks before that, especially against Auburn of all teams, they look really bad. I mean, the fact that they had to go to like triple overtime to beat Auburn is really, really bad. Um, so I just think, like I said, the all around um, talent of this Michigan team and also just, you know, how hot they are right now is what's going to take Michigan to the national championship. Uh, so, Eric, tell us about the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, so. The Georgia Bulldogs will win the national championship, and here's why. First of all, I know a lot of people are probably out there saying, oh, they lost Alabama. They've been exposed. You know, maybe this team's not as good as we thought, but let's be real here. Let's be real here. Georgia is still a very solid team. And Connor brought up a great point 
about Michigan's run game, but while Georgia's defense was not as good as they normally are in that game against Alabama, it was mainly the secondary that was the problem. Uh, Alabama really could not run the ball in that game. And I think for this first matchup against Michigan, I really think Georgia's defense is going to do a great job of stuffing the run and then forcing Michigan to pass. And when Michigan is forced to pass, that's when they're not as good. Michigan is best when they're able to be balanced and be unpredictable and you don't really know what's coming. So that's going to be the key for the Georgia Bulldogs in this first game against Michigan. And if they make it to the final, assuming they make it to the finals, which is what I'm obviously arguing here, then the key for them is going to be to get off to a great start and get a nice lead early in the game, whether it be like a touchdown or two touchdowns or whatever, because one Georgia's passing offense is not the greatest. That's their weakness on the team. So if you're the Bulldogs, you don't want to get behind. You want to have a lead so that you can run the ball. You can be do play action. You can be more balanced because we saw when Georgia got behind against Alabama and they were forced to go out of their comfort zone that, you know, there was a bit of a struggle there. So, and I think this loss against Alabama was a good thing in a way, because I kind of wondering if in Georgia's mindset, if they had the mentality of, well, we've been dominating everybody, you know, the most any team scored against us was 17, which was Tennessee. Like we're just going to steamroll Alabama and we're going to steamroll our way through the college football playoff. But I think that loss was a good thing because I think it was a wake up call for them. And I think they're really going to get it together here. And I think they're going to beat Michigan. And regardless of, you know, what happens between Alabama and Cincinnati, I don't want to assume Alabama will win, but assuming they do, I think they can go in there and get their revenge. But so like I said, the keys are get off to a good start, keep the lead, force teams to throw on you, play from behind when you can really attack the passer. Don't let these teams get off to a hot start, use your run defense to your advantage and shut these teams down and take it to the championship. Now, Nate, I know there's been a lot of talk in this right now about how Cincinnati's not going to do anything. Uh, Alabama's going to blow them out. They're going to lose in the first round. But how is Cincinnati going to defy the odds here and take the national title? Yeah, so Cincinnati uh, made their way into the playoff, uh, repping the uh, Power Six um, American Conference there. Um, yeah, like you said, a lot of people are not even the chance against Alabama, and it is definitely um, a very tall order. Uh, Alabama just made the other um, undefeated team left. Um, in Georgia, they, they gave them their first loss. So um, in Georgia, on paper, is a much uh, stronger roster than Cincinnati. Um, I think the biggest thing for since he is just, um, it's it's really about can their guys up front on the O line and D line uh, really hold their own against Bama? That's I mean that's been the strength of Alabama uh, really for the past you know decade plus, and it's just can if if Cincinnati gets blown off the ball versus Alabama, it's basically over for them. You know Bama can then just run the ball. Um, Really, if Bama can run the ball at will, like it's going to be um, a nightmare for Cincinnati. I think Bryce Young is good enough already through the air. Um, I think Josh Mechie is – I think they announced earlier today that he tore his ACL versus uh, Georgia, so I don't think he's going to be 
um, available, but um, they still have a ton of weapons, and you know Bryce Young has really uh, picked things up um, towards the end of the year here. But I think for Cincy, it's just really um, there's not a whole lot you can say. I guess I don't know their roster top to bottom. I'll admit I've seen a few games. Um, they look very good versus Notre Dame. Uh, they matched up well with those guys. You know, big, um, I guess independent, but basically equivalent to um, a big Big Ten team. Um, so they played against big uh, athletic guys before. I think obviously Bama is on a different level um, as far as the speed and all that goes. But I think it's really just um, if they can come out with a game plan to um, try and, I guess, force some mistakes, uh, that's really how they're going to uh, stay in the game. They got to make Bryce Young look like a, a true freshman, which has been a tall order for any team since uh, really middle of the season. But uh, if they can do it, they might get just enough to um, hang in the game. And Desmond Ritter really has um, matured over all his time at Cincy, all the um, you know games I've seen him play against UCF. He's seemed to get better uh, every year. So if they can – basically, if Cincy's defense can stay in the, in the game, um, which is a big order in itself, I think Desmond Ritter can um, make enough happen to uh, potentially keep it close. And I think – if they can find a way past Bama, I do think that the final um, matchup is going to be more favorable. Not that I'm still going to pick them as a favorite, but I think um, if they can get past Bama, I think they could definitely beat Georgia. Um, and I think Michigan, I think they could definitely beat as well. Um, I think that's a more favorable matchup just because of how they look first. Uh, Notre Dame, I think those are kind of similar uh, rosters, just like those mid uh, Midwest kind of uh, style teams there. So, again, I'm not saying they're the favorite by any means, but I think if they can sweep past Bama, and if that happens and there's no letdown on the championship, I do think that they could, um, you know, uh, make an upset happen. They're, they're definitely in the um, four spot for a reason. I know you can't really take them out because they're undefeated, but um, I do think that they're um, definitely a top 10 team talent wise. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. I'm glad that uh, they're finally getting a shot here, though, whatever happens in the next couple of weeks. All right. Yeah, I think we can all agree. I personally, I don't like any of these four teams, but I know that's usually how the college football playoff goes. But I am rooting for Cincinnati out of these four. Like I said, don't ever confuse me as a Cincinnati fan, but I'm going to be rooting for them this playoff time. So, um that's going to wrap this episode up guys. Hopefully you enjoy listening and watching and we will be back next week to discuss more around the shield and other things until then guys. Remember be clutch. Bye. See ya. Peace.